The gold rush of managed services is quickly coming to an end. Over the next 10 years, we're going to see a consolidation and culling of managed service providers across the board. That's a direct quote from Tim Conkle, the CEO of the 20, the MSP consortium. To put a finer point on it, there are more than 40,000 MSPs in the U.S. alone. The ones that are going to survive and thrive are those that will take advantage of the massive and growing to the tune of $80 billion cybersecurity and compliance opportunity. That's where Aptiga comes in. Aptiga is the end-to-end GRC platform that security-focused IT providers use to build and manage world-class cybersecurity and compliance programs for their clients simply, quickly, and affordably. It's trusted by hundreds of MSPs and MSSPs who are growing lucrative security practices, creating stickier customer relationships, and winning more business from competitors. For more, visit aptiga.com. That's A-P-P-T-E-G-A.com. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Risky Business Podcast presented by Aptiga. I'm your host, Robert Hilson, and I have the pleasure of being joined today by Christopher Brackett, owner and CEO of Greater Nashua Technology Consulting. Chris has been running that MSP for more than 15 years and has primarily been responsible for uh, developing and implementing cybersecurity strategies and tactics that protect organizations from potential threats while minimizing the business disruption. They have uh, kind of a big theme around kind of encouraging the employee satisfaction as well, which is really cool. And we'll, we'll ask them about that. Um, Chris is also uh, an Aptika customer, which we're really proud of. And, and Chris, it's, it's great to be joined by you. Thanks a lot for doing this. Robert, thank you for having us. No, this is great to be here. Um, love to talk about cybersecurity, how it impacts employees um, and our general mission. Thank you. Yeah, so we're, we're looking forward to digging into that as well. Um, we're going to be focusing a lot of this conversation on kind of how businesses uh, that are just starting to think about improving their cybersecurity posture and, and meet their compliance ob- obligations, primarily SMBs and emerging organizations can start making those strides. But before we get into it, Chris, like, tell us a little bit more about your business, starting with like, where the hell is Greater Nashua? <laughs> That's a great question. So Greater Nashua is just north of Boston, about 40 minutes. So we're in southern New Hampshire. Uh, so this is a town built right near the outside of Boston Metro, MIT, Harvard. Um, there's a lot of IT historically been here. Digital was here, Intel, Fabs. Um, so did, it goes way back in this area for IT. So it's kind of it's an interesting area. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's a lot of prestige. And, and tell us more about uh, tell them a little bit more about your business and the clients that you serve. Yeah, no, so great, great question. Um, so I've worked a lot in large enterprises, but started to get more exposed to some small nonprofits in the local area brought in by some people I knew and slowly brought into these places needed, you know, more next level support. The volunteers weren't cutting anymore. And so we kind of became that go to doing everything for them. And we recognized really early on um, how the cloud could really enable them to move ahead and get their security up front uh, before they even realized it many years ago. Mm-hmm. So we, we did some early on getting their programs going on. So it helped them, you know, progress. So when COVID hit, they were all cloud ready. They were fairly secure. You know, they, they didn't have to worry about IT. And we're going to that similar jump again, trying to get them prepared for more compliance, more security programs. You know, some are asking, some are just not there, but we're doing all the like work in the back too. So would it be fair to say that, and I, I kind of alluded to this in the intro, but with respect to cybersecurity and compliance specifically, that the organizations that you're working with are, are fairly kind of bare bones there. Like they are just kind of, on, you know, starting their journey, so to speak. 
Yeah, some are just starting. Some are, aren't even aware. It's like barely on their radar. We're kind of dragging them, you know, kicking and screaming, right, into that. Um, or they're getting pressure from their large clients. They're, they're starting to ask, say, hey, what are you doing? You know, we've been warning our clients for years, like, all right, we put a bunch of legwork in. Now we got to just do the next couple steps. Let's and, just keep going. And are you kind of seeing that specifically as kind of the, the main driver to prompt these organizations to start taking some of these steps? Yeah, they're, internally, they're not going to just do it for investment reasons. Um, most of them are doing it because majority of our couple of our clients right now, it's they're large clients. So they're doing Fortune 1000, Fortune 500 clients. They're mandating these things of their these small vendors to meet either privacy certifications or industry compliance requirements. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of my clients, they're, right now, they're advocating, they're getting out of it for like barely but they know it's coming and they're like trying to do a lot of legwork behind to try to meet it. It's because they're, they're kind of just squeaking their way out of it. Okay. So it hasn't quite like killed sales yet, but it, it's getting close. Cause they keep asking SOC to ISO. Um, another one's doing a third party uh, APEC PRP, mm-hmm. which is one of privacy certification. So it's coming hard and fast um, to these small vendors that work with large clients, which are very profitable for them. So mm-hmm. they can't, not want to turn it down that kind of work, you know, because that brings in you know, other clients to their large. So, so you have a, a, a bucket of clients where they are starting to field these questions or, or they're getting inundated with these questions from their clients around, okay, what, what are you doing to kind of, you know, meet, meet your cybersecurity obligations, um, exactly. map some of these frameworks. And then you have this other, presumably I'm, I'm, I'm projecting here, but I assume you have this other bucket of clients where you're, you're delivering these other IT services to them. And you're also trying to kind of get them to come up to speed and kind of realize the importance of this. And so the question is with, with, with the second bucket, like what, what's your pitch to them? Like how do you kind of get this stuff to be top of mind and, and emphasize the importance of it? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so with those ones that don't have external pressures on them, where we're the main pressure and then plus just cybersecurity news, um, continually meeting with them, re, always being that constant reminder, we have to do this, we have to do this. Um, Because eventually there's some little tiny trigger from some board member or some new person that comes in and say, hey, what about this? And being that IT provider and say, hey, remember we talked about this? Remember we presented this? Remember we did this small assessment? You know, that's why we're doing this. And then eventually like, oh, okay. It's usually they don't still click enough um, unless you get to really put the hammer down and say, no, we're not doing this. We're not responsible. But even that they're still like, okay, like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've got good relationships with them. So it's unless they're really bad relationship, you're like, all right, we'll just wave some risk. You're going to sign some papers. We kind of manage that for now. Yeah. Uh, but continually reminding and putting more and more controls in the back end to protect us. Just, you know, that's kind of the, the way we've been doing those ones that are lagging, I would say. Okay, got it. So you, you, uh, in your last answer, you ripped through a, a bunch of different frameworks. Um, can you talk about some of the the bigger challenges that some of your clients, just kind of small businesses and medium sized businesses in general, are are having meeting some of these industry you know standard uh, frameworks that are out there? So a lot of these businesses have historically never had to meet security frameworks, mm-hmm. so they never had to have compliance needs. The most they've ever had to do is some state and federal rules around labor employees, right? Nothing around all their processes, procedures for IT, privacy. 
So it's all foreign to them. They feel like that's a nuisance. It's not going to help them necessarily. They don't, they don't, it's, they struggle to see the value too. And it's, it's a big added cost between management and a burden on the employees. So they kind of, they drag their feet on it. Um, but they're, they're starting to come around to it. I got a couple where, well, either the clients mandated a certification of them. Yep. I have another where government says, no, no, you have to comply with this. They didn't realize they did. Um, but the, I think the big part is just getting the understanding what level of project it is to get it going and sustaining that going forward. It's not just checking a bunch of boxes. Um, saying, hey, we are doing all these things and getting that through their mindset. They just think these are one, a lot of them are still saying it's like a one-time certification or a one-time answer some questions. Mm-hmm. It's getting that, no, this is a new program we need to always have ongoing as part of our business. Well, and to your, point, to your point about the client who like didn't even know that they kind of needed to, to, to map to this thing. I mean, one of the things that you were mentioning when we were prepping for this is that a lot of these frameworks are kind of generally written for larger organizations. And so there, there's almost like an interpretation that you need to kind of get around yes. in the first place to even know, you know, whether you need to map to this stuff or not. Right. So that's the big, the trick part is because there's so many frameworks trying to map each customer to each framework is almost an order in itself and discover. Um, I feel like we're constantly discovering other frameworks they fall under or nuances of and then figure out the interpretation of what they do under that. And how, you know, can you exclude only part of their business under it? Does it count the whole business, which is more expensive, of course, um, you know, or is that something mandated or nice to have right now until we later, are we going to get our hands slapped? Is this going to affect our funding uh, for grants or from clients? So it's, yeah, they don't, they don't always realize there or they'll sign the contracts or they'll accept the money. And they don't realize this kind of stuff is buried in there to that point where. So we were actually, uh, we were talking to uh, David Endicott at Cyber74, who's kind of in a, a similar role as you, um, about some of the challenges that organizations are facing, kind of you know meeting their compliance obligations with respect to these frameworks. And he was saying that one of the kind of the big kind of um, almost like a culture shock initially is like a lot of this is documentation and policy development and you know, organizations, especially if they're smaller, like they're, they're not used to this. They might not have any documentation no. in place. Right. So, so the question for you yeah. is like, if, if you are starting from scratch, like how do you even begin to kind of develop this muscle? So that's a great question. Cause I've run into this with small, with organizations. And the biggest one I asked, I asked one literally yesterday is, is there buy-in from the board board mm-hmm. of directors is the management on board with making these changes? Are the employees going to accept these changes? Um, and then there's a budget to actually make all these policies because you got to set time for all these employees to agree on policies, discuss things. Um, because I've seen ones where they don't have the management on board. They don't have the employees understanding of it. So there's a struggle that happens to try and make all these changes, shove down the employees and it just burdens them with no benefit to them. They feel like, yep. um, or they, they're used to doing everything on their own. So getting that first in place is key because then everyone's collective. They're going to meet together. They understand the importance. Um, and that's, that's, that's huge. So I've seen both sides of that now because you got to, I got to regularly talk with people about this. Um, you got to continually move the needle forward because it's a program. It's not just a one-time project or they can't just offload it to the, 
the person doing the project, like or the outside provider. They they need that internal buy-in and collaboration. From from your discussions, and this may be a generalization, but are are you typically when you're getting pushback around this stuff? Are you typically getting it from kind of you know the executive levels, the the leaders of the businesses, or is it more like kind of the you know the people that actually have to do the work? It's just like oh my gosh, like I, you know I didn't have to do anything before, and now I got like all this stuff that's on my plate that you know that's going to be a time suck. So I've seen it. Uh, it's leadership that's still reluctant, like it's kind of shoved on them, this compliance need. Mm -hmm. um, they think they're still trying to get through some checkboxes, minimize cost heavily. They don't see the benefit in, in the security part. They actually out benefits to the company as well or the organization. Um, those are the hardest ones to work through. Yep. The employees are kind of the secondary problem because um, you have to communicate them, put some policies. But I've seen that turn around once they did that and they train and explain why. Um, and then they get on board because, you know, they're not, you want you, you have to explain it and have, make sure they have feedback. If there's a feedback loop with the employees and rolling things out slowly, it's not too bad of a problem. Yeah, but yeah, that yeah. executive leadership, if they're, they're just annoyed by the whole thing, it's just, it drags on yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I imagine that'd be the case. Are, are there specific policies that maybe kind of a, a broad range of, of compliance frameworks are, are generally calling for, like, are, are there kind of, um, are there kind of like meat and potatoes policies that, that a company should expect to have in place? Yeah. I feel like there is a few of those, um, obviously things like, uh, acceptable use policies, mm -hmm. encryption, uh, change control. Those are all pretty much standard stuff you should have regardless. Um, just a general information security policy. Um, I don't know if I said encryption too in there, okay. but yeah, there's a, there's a bunch that are quite common, very, you can use across multiple frameworks. They're not going to change too much. Everyone's going to expect them. They're pretty easy to handle. Think like a password policy, mm -hmm. stuff that everyone who's ever seen a, like a framework was like, Oh yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Why that's there. Yeah. We got to have that. Um, not, not too much bespoke stuff. So yeah, you can easily build a program, have a bunch of those general policies and then I'll get you. In, in terms of the internal training that typically has to be done, um, maybe to you know fulfill some of these these controls or to just kind of uh, you know create awareness as to kind of what's happening. Like, what what does that typically look like? Um, so it can be a couple of things. So one of my clients that's doing really well it is they talk about it at their team meetings very regularly. Uh, I think they got weekly or biweekly meetings. So my technical contact. Um, she makes sure to bring up all these little changes that are happening, get their feedback so they're heard. And then we roll out, the, then, then we meet the next week or two and roll, start rolling out the changes to our pilot group. And then she talks to our pilot group, roll up, you know, then we move on to the rest of them. And we roll that out. And that's been really successful. It takes a while, but acceptance is high mm -hmm. and, the, and minimal disruption to the business. Um, our part is the cyber, on the cyber training in general, just general awareness. Mm -hmm. um, having automated trainings that are like weekly, annual, you know, some simple reporting works really well for people. Um, it's interesting the uptake I've seen on these micro trainings to be little web-based trainings like under five minutes. Some of them really love to do them. They're like right on top of them. They just eat it right up. And it's been very surprising to see who is it. It's not usually the technical ones. It's usually... Just some average people that just find it fascinating and they, they hear about it in the news and that, that's their great source to just learn. So that's kind that. of yeah. fun. Yeah. It's 
Yeah, that's awesome. So, um, so let me ask you this, and this is kind of a, a reoccurring theme and question on on this show. But I, I think sometimes there's an expectation on the client side that okay, you know, I'm going to hire a, a managed service provider or managed you know security service provider. They're going to come in and they're going to they're going to be my soup to nut solution. They're going to do all the work for me, and I can just kind of twiddle my fingers and you know watch watch the boxes be checked off. So, a like have, have you ever kind of experienced that? And B um, to the extent that you have, like, what, you know, what, what do you emphasize that the client should expect in terms of kind of the internal resources that they need to commit to make this relationship successful? Great point. Um, cause I've seen both sides of it now. Um, the clients where they try to put all the policy creation on the MSSP or MSP, those ones lag a lot cause there's no skin in the game mm. for the client. Mm-hmm. So they're not, they're not part of it. They don't understand it. They're not valuing it. Um, so those things lag. The clients that are making the policies with you, they commit to the collaboration, they're now on the hook for something. Mm-hmm. They have a responsibility. They, they own it. They own it. They're the CIO, essentially, uh, or the chief, you know, the protection officer. Um, so they're going to keep things moving forward. I've seen those, those progress better um, because we, as an MSSP or MSP, we cannot build all the policies. We can give a lot of boilerplate. We can try to write it. But if they're not willing to meet, discuss, write, spend a few hours going through how this really impacts their business, either procedurally, uh, building evidence, or cost-wise, mm-hmm. then it, it's, it just doesn't go anywhere because they're just going to try to get out of everything if they're are, not doing it. Are, are there, um, beyond the, the policy creation, which, I mean, that's, that's a great call out, beyond the policy creation, are, are there any other kind of indicators of buy-in that you look for that suggest these people are bought in, they have skin in the game, and this is going to be, you know, a really positive relationship. Yeah. Um, when the, when the owner, when the directors and owners are really willing to meet with you regularly, and this is a topic of focus mm-hmm. and they like, all right, how are we moving ahead? You know, what are our goals? What are our timelines? That's a huge buy-in versus the ones you see no progress, no communication. Even when you ask meet with them, um, they don't ask about those programs. It's, it's definitely a lagging indicator of what's really going on that they don't value it. Um, and, and so what's your move when you, when you run into that, like, how, how do you, how do you kind of create that? Yeah. So oh, to, cre- to create the buy-in that I'm still struggling with, uh, <laughs> either they're bought in or they're not the ones that they're not bought in. They're not bought in. You can tell after a while we're like, okay. And it's like, all right, let's put our hands back. We back off a little bit. I'm like, all right, you, you own, I have to put on them that they own this. This is their ownership. We will help with them with X, Y, Z. We can be brought in. But you have to really put the ownership on them because they're just, otherwise, it's not a priority to them. So we can't prioritize it for them necessarily um, until it becomes really a joint project. We just recently had to do that with a client. Uh, But I've got another one where all of a sudden they are taking ownership. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, now we're being brought in. Now we can work on solutions together and moving ahead. yeah, it's a struggle still. I'm still haven't found the magic sauce too. I, I don't know that anybody has if it if it makes okay. you feel any better. It does. We appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so maybe uh, like putting yourself in, in their shoes for a second. If if you are you know a, a, a smaller but faster growing business that is looking to kind of you know dip your toes into this for the first time and, and hire a security uh, and outside consulting firm, um, what are what are the things that you should be looking for to suggest that, you know, these people know what they're talking about and they're going to deliver the services that ultimately I need? 
Yeah, it's a great question because even as owners of MSPs and MSSPs, we still look at outside providers for VCIOs to help us get us through our programs, you know, because we need help. We need that. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Accountability partner, yeah. right, essentially, yeah. to kind of get through. And that's that's really what happens. Um, but so I've seen companies that they'll when they pick, when they're pulling data from a large organization, um, eventually that large organization is going to restrict them if they don't meet those requirements. And that I've seen that come. Those places will close shop because they can all uh, consume it. Um, and so if you aren't ready for that day of reckoning, essentially, your, your business model is going to stop necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at it on our side is eventually as all these customers get their compliance programs in place, they're going to vendor audit us. And we have to be able to show how we can pass the vendor audit to them. Naturally, like they're being audited from their clients. So it's all going to roll downhill. Um, we see that it happen in the government space a little bit more. Um, that's not something we've concentrated on. But it's happening. On the flip side of that, it kind of plays into insurance too. If you get your house in order, follow your frameworks, makes insurance easier to qualify for as well. And we don't have, for cyber insurance, that is. So yeah. I kind of see that as the benefit there. Um but yeah, so what to look for a provider is it's what's going to meet with you, discuss with you. Um, they're going to take some responsibility, but they're not going to take all of it. Mm-hmm. So that way it shows that they're making the client have skin in the game. Because if they're going to take all of it or take none of it, it's just not going to be a work. Because like with our clients, we try to be partners with them forever, essentially, um, to do that. And that Because it has to keep moving forward. It's always going to evolve. None of this stays still. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's great advice. Um, let me ask you this, like what common misconceptions do you frequently encounter on, on the client side around just cybersecurity in general and kind of how, how that relates to your ability to be compliant? Yeah. So with cybersecurity in general, some people think, some people think it's a lot of hard policies. Some think people think it's a lot of tools. Some people think it's really obtrusive to users, but the secret is making it having a guide to follow. Mm-hmm putting tools in place that are not obtrusive, they actually make things easier without some of the security stuff, like less MFA prompts, they can get access to stuff automatically. Um, and then build some automated ways to kind of pick, pull the evidence. Either it's making sure you have meetings, making sure you know what tools to pull from, some basic stuff. And with the advent of like, um, so that's that's kind of like the trick to the misconception of it. Uh, but they also think it doesn't apply to them. Um, recently had one where they were getting audited. It's been audited for a couple of years and they didn't realize they had a compliance framework they had to follow for um, GLBA specifically when they accepted money from the federal government. Um, so they got their wrist slapped recently yeah, for uh-oh. not following that. Yeah. So it, it's, they think they're because they've historically not had to do it. They think, still think it doesn't apply to them until they get that wrist slapped. So I think that's the big misconception. They think they can just get away with it. They can just answer the questions like, yeah, 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 we'll do that eventually. Eventually, like they ask for evidence. Eventually, they make you prove the evidence. I saw one client do that for a while. Answered it. Then said, yeah, we'll get the evidence. And eventually, now prove it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, and and to your point, I I think there's a a general... um, There's a general feeling that compliance is kind of a one-and-done type of situation where it's like, yes. I'm, I'm going to check all the boxes. And once I've checked the boxes, I'm done. But to your point, this is this is an ongoing thing, right? Um, 
and and you you are gonna you're you're gonna get ongoing requests for monitors. You're gonna have to do a new audit every year. The standards are gonna change, and you're gonna have to show proof that you are you know you're you're consistently meeting the the controls of these frameworks, right? That's a great point. Uh, so one my one that got audited with GLBA, the auditors' questions have changed over the years. Yeah, They've asked more questions because the requirements have changed of them to audit against. And that caught my client off guard. We, you know, we answered to help them answer the questions, but they're like, wait, why are they asking these questions? Like, well, these rules have changed over the last few years. You can't keep staying still. We have to move forward. And the auditor reported them, you know, for failing to meet some of those questions. Yeah. So it's, it's going to keep getting asked. And I've seen in large contracts with large uh, commercial clients too. The, the requirements change over the years, over the past decade. They ask for more. They want to show, they want to show more. So it's, it's not standing still. So you have to continually be keeping up with that pace of change. Yeah. In interesting. Um, so you've mentioned a, a couple of times during the conversation, uh, just, just highlighting tools that help you do your job kind of more efficiently that, that eliminate uh, some of the, you know, the employee burden on the client side. When we were prepping for this, you, you brought up the, you know, the idea of AI facilitating a, a lot of these, um, you know, overcoming challenges to, to compliance and really kind of easing the burden, right? Um, I'm, yeah. I'm curious kind of how, how you're seeing that. This is, and by the way, this is like, this is a whole other conversation. I mean, we could talk about this for an hour. Yeah. Um, so, so maybe we'll bring you back to talk about it in more detail, but like, what are you seeing right now in terms of the ability of organizations and, and you to leverage AI and machine learning to help meet some of these obligations? Sure. So at a real low level, AI can be really helpful with the policies and the questions that are answered and mm -hmm. asked of you. And you can ask it, so you can put all the questions, the controls, and ask follow-up questions. Ask for further explanations by using the AI to explain things, give examples, and use its vast knowledge base to really hone it in and apply to that customer and that type they are. Mm -hmm. The same kind of thing you would have to ask of an auditor that happened to know your business model, the same kind of questions like, how does this apply to me? What can I do? What are examples? What do you mean by this? Can, can I, do I really have to? And that's where the AI can be really helpful just in the beginning of like, how can I, what do all these questions mean? Mm -hmm. You know, some of them are so broad and vague in these frameworks that, you know, these smaller businesses, they just don't know how it applies to them. Like, what, what do you mean about batch processing? <laughs> Lots of people don't even know what that term is. You know, it's a whole bunch of questions like that. I was looking at one recently today. Um, and then the flip side, you can have it write policies saying, yeah. hey, in this policy, I need you to mention the, I need you to meet these controls that they're asking for or these policies and procedures. And it'll add them in saying, Hey, this is to do this. This will meet this acceptable use policy. This will meet this password policy. So that way, when the auditor comes through the checkbox, yes, we do have that policy. Yes, we are doing that. It, it, and so, the, so you're talking specifically about Jack, uh, Chat GPT, I, I would imagine. Pretty much, yeah. Most like Chat GPT, but you can use some other AI models too for that. Um, that's just at the low level we're at today. There's there's a whole bunch more coming. So, so one question, especially with the poly policy creation piece, like what additional, if any, like levels of quality control or due diligence do you need to do? Or, I mean, I'm kind of asking this rhetorically, or is it just like, hey, the AI spits this thing out and I can kind of, you know, done. Part of it, you can ask the AI to kind of say, hey, what was your thinking behind this? Why did you say this to oh, me? Yeah. Why do you think it applies to me? Uh, you can ask some sources, but that's still kind of iffy in some places. Uh, but yeah, you still have to do a little bit of human intelligence on it. Like, hey, 
does this still pass the sniff test, essentially? Yeah. <laughs> um, so you can have someone that at least has a, a clue of IT or a clue of policies, just a little bit. Say, hey, okay, yeah, that makes sense. You know, you can't just be spouting off gibberish um, <laughs> in the policy. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, okay, yeah, I can read this. I can follow this. Um, but one of the cool things about you can do with the, like ChatGPT and AI with is you can have it re-explain things at different reading levels, age levels yeah. for different audiences. Um, like explain this, this control for someone who like I'm 10. It's like, what does this mean? Or explain this for an IT person, explain this for the operations person or the executive director. And it'll reframe the wording to help them understand better. And it's like, Oh, I get that. Or, yeah, so it's 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 super fun, powerful. I also love to freeze it for comparisons. You can compare things like, what's the difference between these two things? And it'll kind of word it out for you in your context that you want it to be. So what, it's what what a time to be alive, huh? Oh, it is. It's it's great because with all this, you know, framework policy stuff, it's like this is just the thing we needed to just help a little bit. Yeah. So that way, when you're engaging that VCIO, that CIO, it's like, hey, okay, I got a clue what I'm looking at. Now let's get your expertise in here. Well, same thing. So uh, we need to have you back. We got at least another half an hour talk specific, specifically <laughs> on, on this. Um, but Chris, we, we really appreciate you being here. Thanks, thanks for doing this. No, thank you, Robert. I really appreciate it too.